Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks for listening in on another episode. Or if this is your first time stopping by, I'm grateful to have you. This podcast is all about the getting started moments, the turning points that got each guest started on a new path toward happiness, the ups and downs of the journey, how they were able to commit to a change, and all the lessons learned along the way. I hope you all enjoyed this particular episode, so let's jump right in and get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Clint Davis, who is the co-founder and CEO of Capsule App. Clint's love for stories that make each individual unique stems from his own remarkable life experiences and his 17-year career in radio and television broadcasting on four continents. Now with Capsule App, Clint is encouraging others to preserve their special memories. With Capsule App, users can gather their once-scattered memories into digital time capsules that can be shared privately with full user control or an optional public feed to inspire others. Capsule App also provides users with coached storytelling drawn from Clint's broadcasting experience. Unlike many platforms, Capsule captures no user data, has zero advertising, and allows users complete ownership of their content. A cancer survivor who lost two siblings at a young age, Clint has always had a keen awareness of the importance of remembering the past while also making the most of the present moment. And Clint and I had a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed this one a lot. And we've dove deep into not only his journey and kind of you know getting started with Capsule, but just the importance of you know creating memories, sharing memories with loved ones and, and having that as a time capsule of your life. Um, for the future. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Clint. And without further ado, please welcome in Clint Davis. Clint, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting. Yeah, this uh, looking is, forward to this. Listen yeah. to a few shows back. I'm trying to be a good guest, you know, listening to <laughs> how you do things and how you might corner me or ambush me. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to it, man. I don't know if we'll get that far. I don't. I don't. I think I'm, I think I'm gentle. I'm a you are gen- very gentle, gentle, gentle beast. Um, I decided to come in and poke the bear and see see if we can uh, see if we can get you yeah. on the front foot with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's always interesting. Is this the the folks I get to talk to on here? We meet from all different walks of life, and you know, everyone has different. The the, the funniest thing is almost no one that's been on this podcast they were doing the same thing ten years ago. Yeah. Like it's wow. amazing just the trans like the transition people make and and how they're always trying to reevaluate what am I doing what what makes me happy and and kind of you know going down that journey and that's what was unique where where I wanted to invite you on is you know where you were ten years ago you know you were doing radio and podcast producing like you, I don't even know if you were living in the U.S. at that time actually if I'm, if I'm uh, right. honestly right? Brian I can't remember half of my life so yeah. I, mean, I mean I'd have to go look it up <laughs> you know so, so yeah. you just have an interesting journey and uh, and anyway so I'm curious to kind of learn how that shaped you to what you're doing today uh, with with your company you founded so let's start here if we can. And I'll, I'm going to leave this as a toss-up. You can take it where you want. But generally, there's one or several turning points that people have. And these inflection points in their life where it really takes them off one path and kind of curves them down another. Could you share maybe one or two that really resonate um, kind of in your mind of like, okay, this really changed the course of my life um, to lead me down what I'm doing today? Yeah, it's such a... 
That is such an intricate question um, when it comes to our life. I find that a lot of stories are sort of people who are going in one direction, as you so aptly put, and then like one life experience or one change, and then they make the shift, right? Mm. My life's kind of been quite quite eclectic in a way. So, you know, born in, for those that are guessing the accent, you know, way south Texas, all, all the way down in South Africa. So originally from there, and then, you know, lived in Dubai for six years, in Australia for two Los Angeles, that little place next to next to America for uh, a year and a half there, and then at home in Austin, Texas now. But each move has been really, um, really interesting in its own right. But I think overall, the driving force has always been that I've wanted my life to count for something. I've wanted to leave massive change in the world. And I guess a lot of the moves that I've made along the way have been directed towards trying to find out what that is contextually, because it's easy enough to be in the place that you're in right now and go, I want to affect change, but you don't know what you don't know, right? So there's this quest to discover more of yourself, essentially, yeah. and then figure out where that fits. So I think if I had to choose a, just a couple moments of that, I think leaving South Africa in 2008 was obviously the start of this journey, quite a big move. Um, my wife and I just, for the most part, didn't see a lot of scalable future in the industry we were in, in South Africa at that period. And thought that, you know, we could either stay there and stick it out and keep building our little business, or we could discover other parts of the world to meet other people. And so that almost naivety crossed with boldness at the time, more naivety, I think, yeah. um, you know, sort of was the first big step in venturing out from comfort. Uh, a step that everybody has to make in making change out of comfort. And it's amazing how often that has a physical aspect to it. Mm. Um, the other one I think really only came about eight months ago where it wasn't so much a change in direction, but just a, a clarity of direction, I guess, mm. in that I had a cancer diagnosis halfway through our first year of founding this company. And um, it was one of those moments of really what is important to you, you know, and what is the mark that you want to leave on the world? And it was an opportunity to pivot and go, well, this is not worth my time or assess it and go, this is what I think I'm going to use to change the world and sort of set my feet firmer in, in what we're building. But for the most part, when you speak about changes and seeking context, just about every single move we've made, uh, my wife and I has been along those lines. So hard to pick one or two, yeah. each very dynamic. But I think sometimes that naivety plays the role where you don't need to know everything. You just need to know enough to go and make those first few steps. And then the rest kind of comes to you mm. for better or for worse. It's not always easy, but it is what it is, right? Part of the journey. You know, I, I didn't know we, if we'd go down this path at all, but you know, this is the randomness of the, the show, which is nice. Can you share a little bit about the importance of the support systems, especially, you know, you talk about your wife there. You know, I'm assuming if she's not on board leaving South Africa, you might not be leaving South Africa. So <laughs> how is, can you share just a little bit about the importance of that communication that maybe the, the respect that you guys had, you know, being able to talk through those things and ultimately make that shift and, and leave um, for not just what you want to do, but, you know, for the whole of the, the relationship? Yeah, absolutely. We've been married for 13 years now. We've known each other for 17. Um, I, it's hard because 
I lucked out. My wife is amazing. We're best friends. Um, our decision making is um, has the right the right power balance in the sense that I don't always need to know best. We make decisions together, and uh, we appreciate each other's perspectives. And I think the core is that there's a lot of humility in that. And I learned a lesson on that very early on in our marriage where, you know, we were having some massive pressure in Dubai and it was a risky place because you can get into financial trouble there quite easily in those days. And there really isn't a way to schedule debt or anything like that. It just, it was a very infant banking system. And I remember standing in front of her yelling at her, my being my worst self, right? My absolute worst self yelling at her for not understanding my perspective, my side of the story. And I walked away and I, uh, it was a moment where I'm a man of faith and I feel like faith became very real in that moment where I felt, um, in my spirit, I felt God say, that's not how you treat my daughter. And I, whether you're a person of faith or not, to me, I think it's healthy to be on a spiritual journey. I think it's healthy to be seeking. It's a part of you that needs to be fulfilled, to be completely healthy. You don't have to believe the same thing I do, but this is my journey, right? And so I remember immediately turning around and going to her and apologizing and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And I realized that there's so much power in being the first to set the tone of a argument to what follows after. And that's tone setting ability to be humble and go, you know, even if I didn't start the argument, I'm going to own my piece in it and I'm going to set the tone moving forward has played out into every area that I've operated in since then. Mm. And it was such a contrast to being in radio before where it's a job that you kind of have to have a particular ego to be successful at. And it's all about you. And honestly, it's really hard to make it if it's not like that. Mm. But, um, it was a massive shift in just approach to everything. And it's been so, so, I mean, not even night and day, just completely on a different spectrum. And so I still do that today with my team. I'm still first to own an issue, first to be humble, first to set the tone of culture and conversation as we move forward. But within marriage, yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, we've, we've processed each of those um, moves and big decisions together. And the real fruit of that is not actually the journey as in the sense of the destination, the real fruit of it is the relationship that you form moving forward and the ability to enjoy the journey together and to be in tough times together. There are many times that we could have gone, okay, well, this is it. Like, let's just, you know, call it quits on our marriage where the real problem was not the marriage. The real problem was what we were dealing with at the time. And if we choose to face it together, then we can get through it. But um, it's amazing how many people give up on the, the thing that is probably the most foundational to your success, a close-knit relationship, marriage in my case. And, uh, and I'm seeing that more and more now as we grow and as we scale that we're like, look, I'm just glad that we went through tough times and set these things in motion in a healthy way. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, what you – and maybe it's just because you have these – lovely pictures of the lions behind you. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like, you know, if you're on a safari, like I ain't splitting up with the tour guide, you know, it's like, Hey, you go down this path. I'll go down this one. Like teaming yeah. up together and going on the journey is a lot, not just safer, but I think it's just, yeah. it's a way you can work and, and communicate better and ultimately get to a, a better solve of whatever the problem is. Well, it's also more fulfilling, right? And, and this goes for marriage, it goes for relationship, it goes for your team, it goes for your kids. Here's the thing. You're forming a, a journey together. Your relationship is based on a journey together. Now, 
I th- if I think about giving up on my marriage now, honestly, there's two aspects there. One, I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy to go and build this whole new story with a whole new person, right? But more than anything, I don't want to lose the understanding that we have of each other, that we've garnered over all of this time, over all of these difficulties. And I just, there's so much value in story and so much value in being able to look back together and go, wow, that thing that we struggled through is playing out now in our character. That thing that was a success like 10 years ago is relevant now, 10 years later. I've lost a lot of school friends and things along the way from moving countries. So it's kind of highlighted my wife as my closest, closest life companion in all of these things. And that's a real blessing. When you speak about the um, the lions behind me, I mean, I do nothing that's not intentional, you know, uh, but that lion with the lion and the lioness sort of cuddling there, that for me speaks about my relationship with my wife, you know. Uh, the other one with the lion cub speaks about the, the child that we want to adopt one day, you know. Um, and then, you know, the one in the middle, just the lion, just myself, that's a reminder to me, like, you have to, you have to lead. You have to be courageous, you know, and... Um, and so I surround myself with things like that, um, both relationally and as little mementos to, to help me keep driving forward. If I could double click one more time on this, because you, we talked about yeah. turning, turning points earlier. It seems like that, you know, kind of leaving the room and then pausing and turning around, that was a big turning point. Yeah, a be, few would times. That, would that be an accurate statement? I think, yes, I, I think... I think it is, but turning around in the sense of um, considering the perspective that you have and are trying to use to make the decision that you're trying to make. So I remember, I think turning points are not only the ones that we take and turn with, I think they're the moments that we consider are giving us the option to make a shift. So, you know, for example, when we were in Dubai and under that massive financial pressure, we lived under two years of a real possibility of going to Middle Eastern prison, Mm. just because it was the seventh most expensive city in the world to live in. And you had to pay all your rent up front for the year. So you're talking chunk of money that we didn't have. But the bank will loan you that money um, based on the job that you get. And then, you know, come the end of that year, you've got to pay your next year and you likely haven't paid off the previous year. So you start getting into it a little bit. And we were young and, and naive and that, and the banking system was very, very infant at that stage. And so you can get into real trouble real quick. And many did, but I remember my wife and I standing in our bedroom when we were under massive, I mean, you've got, you've got bankers calling you every day, maybe seven or eight times a day saying, when's our next payment? And, you know, they're foreign bankers, so there's that too. It feels a bit more intimidating. Mm -hmm. But they also literally have a button in front of them where they can go, okay, open a case or call tomorrow. And we lived that under two years. So you've got to be really patient and calm with these people and try and do your best. But I remember standing in the bedroom one day with my wife, and we actually folded in washing. And we were just having a discussion about should we leave. Many people were parking their cars at the airport at that time and just fleeing. Because what do you do? You can't have a family there and you're in prison, you, you know, um, with no real way to get out until you pay that debt. And I remember standing there going, we feel like our lives have meaning moving forward from this point. And if we go back, we feel like we're going back and not going to fulfill the goals and the dreams and the impact that we want to have. And so we made that decision not based on our own comfort and not based on our own safety. We made it with a drive that I don't want to live with a what if one day. Mm -hmm. And I think we've made many decisions along the lines of 
a healthy fear of I don't want to live with the what if. And I think you have to have that if you really want to leave the kind of impact that you dream of. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah that's, uh, I can't imagine going there because yeah, we live in the US such in a, a different perspective of how things yeah. work here, you know, I can't even imagine yeah. it's like paying that up front and, and those type of things. Um, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned the word fear and I'm actually curious, and, and this maybe is a good transition because I wanted to spend a lot of time talking about this, so maybe better now than than ever, is, you know, as you decided, because you came over to America, you're, again, radio podcast producing, those type of things. You obviously started this company. Was there a fear to start? Was there a, I don't, wait a minute, I'm not a founder of, you know, a, an application or software or technology company, however you want to put it, like, how did you kind of mull with those moments in your head of getting to the point to say, you know, I am good enough and I'm going to do this? Yeah, it's a great, such a great question. And I know that many struggle with it. Um, I, I've always had the personality that if I believe in it and if I believe that I'm the person to do it, I don't overthink it. Um, I pull the trigger, I get going and I get going quick. Um, and so that was, that was kind of real with this, but I feel like one of the big differentiators in this is that most of the things, actually all the things that I've been, no, that's not true. Most of the things that I've been successful at that have been dear to my heart are the ones that I felt more than just a idea to produce something and hope that it works. It's something that I feel has been a calling. And if I can feel it as a calling, and if you don't know the difference, it's important that you find that out. But your actual purpose in life, things that you can specifically bring value to because of the person and the character that you carry. And then if you add the spiritual aspect to that, that's a whole nother thing. But I felt called to them. I had a friend who said this. Uh, he's very high up um, in, in a company and in Amway, actually. And uh, despite what any of us think of Amway, uh, you know, but uh, he, he, I said to him, you know, I really feel driven by this. And he stopped and he said, no, you're not. And I thought, that's so offensive. How can you, I've just like shared a, a moment with you, you know? And I said, what do you mean? How can you say that? And he said, no, you're not driven by it. You're drawn to it. And I thought, wow, that, okay, that is it. That is it. I am drawn to it. I'm drawn to it. So, when we speak about fear, I, I don't, I do my best to not let that take any kind of root. I think it's okay to have alarms go off in the sense of, um, not so much fear, but just in the sense of awareness that I need to deal with it. I need to deal with that. I need to focus on this so this doesn't happen. However you plan, whatever your process is. But at the end of the day, you can't let doubt or in a sense, fear take root. That's the difficult. That's that's the point right there where you're going to struggle to get it out. Mm. And so, I think move quickly when you're convicted by something. Be a person of conviction. Make sure you get the right people around you. And honestly, having the right team is the thing that that balances that fear most of the time. Guys that you can run past, run stuff by, and go, "Hey, I'm really concerned about this," and they go don't worry, man, I've got this covered or this and this, we're going, just keep your chin up, let's do it. And I find CEOs, in my estimation, often shelter themselves from that kind of, that kind of thoughtful, humble conversation. 
in my experience, the more I've had those, the more my team has encouraged me. Mm. And so um, that's how I stand before them, humbly going, I don't always have it all the time. I have this fear or that fear. Let's do it. But as far as the start point goes, as soon as you click that you're drawn to this, that is part of who you are and that you're going to bring value. And that's not, that doesn't have to be scale. You could bring value to three people. You bring value to one. You could bring our focus is, is one person at a time, even though we know we, we want to reach billions. But as soon as those are clicked in, just go, mm. just go. Cause you'll end up talking yourself out of it and more fear will come in. Enjoy the idea and run. So with, and, and let's talk on, on, on capsule specifically, when did you have that idea? Did you meet, cause I think you have a few co-founders where there's some serendipity in there. Can you share like how that, how the idea originated? Yes. And yes. Uh, <laughs> to the serendipity. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not sure how you make it without a little serendipity. I must be honest. Um, so, you know, after this incredibly uh, diverse life, that we've had the privilege to live, which which honestly hasn't always been easy. In many countries on a zero budget. Um, you know, LA was a point where we were so depressed that we suffered PTSD from that and um, suicidal thinking and all of these things um, because we'd based our identity on our work and we changed countries and didn't have the work anymore. So you learn a quick lesson about identity and what it should and shouldn't be tied to. But after all of these experiences and everything you get to do when you're in radio and the public eye and all that, I really wanted to record those experiences and all the lessons that we'd learned along the way, because I realized that I guess it's an age thing at some point where I realized that because we've moved so much, our kids won't have the attachment to sort of friends and family who knew us from soon from earlier. And I want them to know not just the version we'd become, but how we became this version of ourselves what made us this? The struggles, the victories, the experience, all of this. And so I sat down to record a private public, a private uh, podcast, and I did that for an hour, and I was just so discouraged, really, because for what I wanted to use it for, I wanted to be able to put pictures in and video in and all of that and leave a fuller memory. And so I literally walked downstairs uh, from, my, from my study in, uh, in our home, and I was washing up dishes, and this idea just started to flow. And that's where it's hard for me to separate the divine from just the creative. Because I know in that moment I was tired. I was a little disillusioned even about life and what I wanted to do with my life um, before Capsule came along. I felt like I'd accomplished everything that I could and didn't know what the next step was. And I can't put it down to anything other than a 40-minute divine download to which I was adding pieces to that download, things are starting to flow. The idea came together of giving people a space of digital time capsules to save their memories and pass them on generationally. And um, it was so gripping, the need for it gripped me so closely mm. that I realized that other people are gonna to wanna to use this. And then I started realizing the impact on world history. And um, so Again, yeah, that's 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 the moment that it happened, and we we're like eighty-five percent true to that original design, which is kind of cool. Um, but um, it was a definite moment there. I don't know if I answered your question. I might have might have lost myself along the way. <laughs> no, no, no. That I, I mean, that's that was like kind of the aha moment of like you're doing the dishes and you know yeah. kind of popped in your head. How did you yeah. take? So this this comes up a lot, um, and I like to ask because. We all, I mean, I went through as an example, right? This podcast started in 2017. Well, I wanted to start a podcast in 2015. 
But I came up with plenty of excuses why I couldn't do it and why I wasn't good enough or why I wasn't this or that or the other thing. And a lot of fear, uncertainty, doubt, what have you. Um, Finally got over that hump. But a lot of folks, they have that idea, like you're saying, you're drawn to it, but they don't do it. They don't actually create it. So what helped you kind of going from, hey, I want to do this. I want to make this change to committing to that change and actually starting the company. Yeah, um, great question. I want to try and answer it shorter than I have the previous questions because <laughs> you can tell. Hey, you've done chatting. podcasts before. We've we've done, this is long I know, I know. You, you. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, man, we could go for hours because the stories right. are so detailed. Um, I, I think there's something unique to every leader. I think there's something unique to every CEO. I find that the more I dig into this, the more I realize that I've got some unique traits um, or maybe not, obviously not unique, like nobody else in the world has them, but certainly unique in the sense that I don't see them that clearly uh, immediately around me. And one of those traits is that I'm willing to risk. Um, I'm willing to risk at very early stages. I'm willing to give it a go. I don't feel like I will know if it'll work or not unless I try it. Mm-hmm. Now there are many ideas that I don't do that with because as I think them through, I realize, okay, no, not not willing to put the energy into this, not willing to do all that. But I think equally to formulating ideas and deciding which ones you want to go through on is also the lack of opportunity that creates that space for you. And so coming to America, I I wasn't interested in getting reinvolved in radio on a commercial level. I wasn't interested in um, pursuing necessarily my, I had a high performance driving uh, instructor career as well on racetracks and things like that. So there was a real lack in the sense that I felt like I'd accomplished what I could do in those, in those industries. And when you reach that point, you start thinking, well, if I go back into that, it's going to be life as usual. It doesn't excite me. I want to be driving towards something. And so there's a real void of what I wanted to do. And I think the void created that decision opportunity as much as the dreaming uh, did. And so I feel like we can get frustrated looking at a void and not see it as opportunity. But the truth is that opportunity exists there. It exists in how am I going to make something that counts at this next stage? And um, when you cross the divide of idea to starting to iterate, then you start going, okay, well, the value has to line up. If we're putting time and energy into this, if we're going to call on investors, if we're going to register a company, if I'm going to pull people in to work for us, I better be know that I at the top need to carry the weight of what we're doing here. And if I don't carry the weight, if it's too light, and I can see that that won't filter down, I'm, I'm probably going to be slow to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger. Well, before we get deeper into the development of the company, can you just share a little bit about what the apps, what's the purpose of it? Because I think that's, I can read it off here, but you're probably, you're probably better <laughs> yeah. coming from the, the founder. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to do that. I mean, I love speaking about everything human, um, but it's fun to get to speak about what we've built as well. So Capsule is all focused around saving your story. And we realized that in a digital age, we don't have a good curated way to save our memories, our stories, our insights, and pass them on generationally. 
This is one of the things that when I go back to recording that private podcast, I started to realize it wasn't just my story, but I would love to hear my grandfather's story. He was an orphan who became a very high-powered CEO, and he passed many years ago. And now that I'm old enough to appreciate that, I don't, I don't have his stories. I don't have any of that. I have photographs, and that's fine. But photograph will speak to me, but it doesn't tell me what he would see in the photograph, right? And so, so I really got, got driven by this. And so Capsule is an app where you can create digital time capsules, as many as you want, in each digital time capsule that you can categorize and name as you want. It could be a wedding. It could be a school days. It could be trips that you've taken, whatever it is. It could be insights from life. But in each one, you can put audio, video, and picture, which is really hard to do trying to find a space to put multiple media formats. It's quite tough, right? And then for each of those capsules, you can keep it completely private to yourself or you can share it on a public feed if you think it'll inspire other people like cancer survivors and that sort of thing. But most importantly, you can share that privately with only the people that you want to see each particular capsule. Those people that get that access to that particular capsule, then when your life journey comes to an end, they will then gain the permission to pass those stories on should they wish to do that. So your stories can be passed on generationally to your kids, your grandkids, and so on and so on and so on, and they will know you for who you are as told by you with your content. People don't realize that when you upload content to the majority of these social media platforms, you no longer own that content, for one. For two, it's scattered across social media, hard to collate, hard to pass on, you more often than not need a court order in order to gain the access of a deceased one's content or to actually own it. We sold that upfront with upfront permission sharing. And we also have gone the step of going no advertising, no user targeting, right? So we track users on the app to make the app better, but we do not track where you go. We do not track advertising. We do not track across other apps or anything like that. We're not interested in where you go and what you do. It's your life. But then also no public comments, no likes, the things that have become detrimental in social media. And all of your content belongs to you. We do not own your content. If you want to download at any point, have at it, download it, off you go. You want to come back, bring it back, no problem. It belongs to you. There's no reason why we should own it. So we're providing time capsules, private sharing that's controlled by you, and ownership of your content. And uh, if we can serve our users, which is a weird thing to hear in tech nowadays, but we actually are here to serve our users, not to serve our pockets, right? Mm -hmm. If we can serve our users well, our hope is just to regain their trust on a digital platform because we understand that's been shaken a lot. And if people are willing to trust us, um, we think that we're going to offer you something that's never been seen before and will be highly valuable to you and future generations of your bloodline. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, when a, again, when this came across as a really interesting concept, because I, I've actually been thinking about the, not the app idea, but like just in general, like, because one of the reasons I started the podcast was for my son, because I wanted him because I knew with all the struggles I went through growing up and having confidence issues and not thinking I was good enough. And I want him to like, hey, look, dad was able to, you know, he started this journey himself. He's talked to some incredible people. He was persistent. He was consistent. Like all these things that I don't think we realize. I didn't know that for my parents um, really until I got older. So anyways, that's always yeah. intriguing because you're to your point. It's like, well, yes, I, I push this out. Um, you know, I use a, a company called Acast that pushes out to all the platforms. I have 
some stuff on YouTube, you know, yeah, you put stuff on all these other social platforms. I have, but, but I also, you know, I write my children's books. I have the blogs, I have all this content, but it is kind of scattered. Yeah. You can go to my website, but eventually, yeah, I get, you know, a bus knocks me off today. Like eventually that website goes away after whatever the, the hosting, you know, costs are up. So, yes. yeah, there's a, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. the, the thoughtfulness around the idea. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so when you and when you think about longevity of content, yeah. uh, we really don't have an answer for that right now. So we're we're solving for that, um, so that you can have it all collated in one place and have that longevity of content. Um, but think about distribution of content as well, as you've just mentioned. Now you can have a capsule that you could control the distribution of your of your of your children's books yourself. Mm-hmm. You could have them in there and grant access. Uh, you could charge for that access down the line if we decide to put a monetary um, application in play. But we're really just putting it back in your hands to control, to own, to distribute. And so we're thinking about artists and creatives. We're thinking about authors. Uh, We've built for blockchain, so we'll be on blockchain. Uh, A few months after launch, we'll move everything over. That gives you more security, but also opens up the world to NFT your own stuff. Uh, So private individuals can truly own their stuff and um, distribute it as they see fit. So say, for example, an artist was going to release a new song, right? Well, we're not going to compete with Spotify or something like that. That's, that's ludicrous. Why would we? They do such yeah. a great job. But what we can do is go, hey, why don't you create a capsule with never-before-seen lyrics, behind-the-scenes stuff, thoughts as you're walking down the road, thinking about this song, whatever. Then give access to your 2 million users at $1 each, right? And so, so we're looking at these sort of things where you can – NFT your stuff, own your stuff, distribute it. But with that said, that's just one market we're looking at as far as creatives go. We're looking at terminally ill. How can we make that free so that they can leave stories for their kids one day? We're looking at military. How can we create time-delayed capsules for them to be able to leave um, insights in case of worst-case scenario? Um, You know, we're looking at destitute kids and orphans that can be inspired by a mentor that they've never met before in a digital space that's safe for a change. You know, and obviously seniors and legacy and these things. So we're building an ecosystem here um, with all of those touch points. But uh, yes, you're 100% right, mate. The way that we do digital content at the moment, one is losing its meaning because, you know, we've been taught over the last eight to 10 years to take 30 pictures to post the perfect one uh, to show your little life. And we know how detrimental that's become. The studies are out there. And so we believe we can reshape in a much shorter time than that the intent behind digital content that your content once again is speaking to you about why you were there who you were with what was the memory why was it important instead of just flicking through pictures you know and then uh, obviously this this element of impacting history where instead of having history dictated to us like it is being you are the history maker your story matters every single person has a story that counts and so anything from your life story and insights all the way to, you know, many, many people said, us, I wish I just had my grandmother's recipe, you know, well, you can leave that now. You can leave that recipe for generations. Yeah. The, uh, well, well, I actually have two, two questions with that. Cause what the first thing is what comes to mind a lot is, and I'm curious of how you manage this on a day to day with the team is keeping in the present moment and building versus the 
Cause, cause like when you were mentioning like web three and blockchain, like what first came to my mind was the metaverse. Like, okay, if I put on the headset and now I can, now I can see the video, like I'm actually talking to, you know, like my mind goes like 10 years in the yeah. future, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> how, how hard is it to stay focused on today, knowing there's some really cool opportunities that you're, that you're not there yet. Maybe, um, is that, is that something you struggle with? Definitely, definitely part of the founding journey. You know, um, I think if you're building, if you're building a little feature set type sideline app, then that's great. You don't really have to have massive vision for that, right? When you're building a new platform like this that you really um, understand can impact so many people's lives, you have you, it's your responsibility to keep dreaming, to keep being a visionary for it, and to have a look at it from every angle. Because at the end of the day, when you're dealing with somebody's memories and somebody's emotions and somebody's stories, you must accept the responsibility for that. We've seen too many uh, social media platform leaders, and we're not essentially social media. I mean, but we are trying to recapture to some wholesome state, right? Mm. But too many of these leaders that are just about the bottom line, just about their shareholders. And while we understand as a company, we have to be that. Ultimately, if something doesn't work or something gets lost or something gets gets damaged on the tech front it's got nothing to do with the data really it's got to do with the human on the other end and what it means to them their emotion their loss we have to think of that and so part of the founder process certainly does have that weight on it i think there's the thing that i did um very well probably about four months in to stay focused on what we're building now is i got some really good advisors involved they were temporary at that stage but then um you know, we've picked up one that's really solid and helps us focus on what you need right now. What do you need to get to market? What do you need to, 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 you know, actually get this thing triggered and then you can build from there. And that we as a company didn't hold fast and true to, because we felt that as we built our dev team was so good and our founding team was so tight that we realized we could build a lot quicker and build a much fuller product for launch than just an MVP. Mm-hmm. And so we kept going a little bit. And even though we were late in launch by our expectation, we hit the target in the sense of what we were offering and the responsibility we were carrying for it. So we, in order to reach that, we had to put the dreaming aside a little bit. And so we created channels that were just for dreaming to put that stuff in there and then let our head of product take that and go, okay, is this for now? Is this for later? Where does it fit? And then we dissect it like that. We have a chunk of stuff still sitting in that channel that we know we need to not be thinking about now because headspace is the most valuable thing right now. Mm -hmm. And even if you're filling your headspace with good things to come, it's still headspace that's sucking your energy right now and something that isn't a reality yet. The other thing that I did really well is to define each of our roles well. And so I defined my role very quickly as part of my job as CEO, having that space to think, having that space to uh, to vision, to dream, so that these things fitted in place. And it was just the other day that I said to the team, "Look, I'm I'm actually feeling a little bit, bit uh, a little bit tired these last couple of weeks." And so, in all honesty, guys, I need you to take this, this, this off my shoulders. I need a couple hours a day just to think, just to be ahead of where we are as a business, and to preempt stuff and not react to them. And so, I think those two things have been absolutely key in in just being able to focus in on what's needed right now. And it's very difficult because everything you create, you realize has a knock-on effect, right? And then you've got to build that and you could need this and you need that. And unfortunately, there just has to be a line somewhere and you realize that some people won't get that when you launch the product and 
you can only serve them the best way you can, you know. Did you all, de- and whatever you can share, obviously, let me know, but did you all decide to go like more of the bootstrapper kind of pool some dollars, family and friends type thing, angel investing? What what type of route did you go in terms of building this to bring on team members and staff and, and those type of things? Yeah. Yeah, founders are always happy to talk about fundraising. Uh, it seems that <laughs> it's the never it's the never ending. Job, Whatever you're right? allowed to share, I guess. You know, <laughs> no, I'm 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 happy to share as much as you'd like to hear. Um, we so when we started out, you know, typical founders, we thought, okay, well, two hundred fifty thousand, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be all we need for this. We'll just build it like this, and that's going to be done. We'll never have to raise again. That's going to be bliss. Right. Um, and you soon learn that that's not the case um, for whatever you're building. And so we actually um, set out with a little bit of a crowdfunding project on a new um, uh, Reg C uh, crowdfunding platform, you know, because now you can, um, it's a different sort of thing. You can crowdfund alongside the SEC and the SEC approvals and, mm. and that whole deal. And so we went that route. And honestly, it was kind of taking a little long. There were a few things dragging. We were learning things on both ends of the spectrum, us being new, them being new. And we decided that we actually needed to get going now. We were at the point that we thought everything out. We were ready, but we didn't have money. We just had to get going now. And so I did. I went to my parents. I was like, look, can you sell some Bitcoin so we can do this? Like, And they were like, we've been thinking about that. So let's do it. So they, they, they actually seeded um, capsule with just $16,700. And all that did was allow us to pay the deposit to start the build. Um, and it bought us a little bit of time to learn how to fundraise. And so we just set out on learning how to fundraise on getting a great pitch together, um, getting a good deck together. I will say that honestly, a lot of the communication around fundraising, when I look at new, um, founders and we're new founders, but maybe just sort of younger in life, and life experience founders, a lot of our fundraising experience has, we've seen our life stories and the struggles we've had and our perspectives come through in a mature way. And so when we're raising money, we're raising it maturely with mature conversations um, as opposed to just trying to throw an idea around and hope something sticks, you know? So that's the one side of it. But I think the main side when it comes to fundraising for us is that we didn't build this company the normal way in the sense that tech companies normally build an MVP, build some product, see if it sticks, put it in the market, and then they try and protect the company and get everything in place for investors. We built the company first before we built a day of tech. And we took a little bit of heat about this in the tech industry because just it's not the norm. But we built the company. We got a legal team that we were paying way before we had um, anything to protect. We were just protecting the idea, the IP, setting up cap tables, setting up the right documentation, all of that. So when we addressed investors, they were like, whoa, you've already got this already? Like, we can just send our money in? It's like, yep, let's go, you know? And that was that served us very, very well. Um, and I know there's some dynamics. Not every app is like that. But, but yeah, I think the other thing that has been really good for us fundraising-wise is we – we didn't get into the um, institutional money um, yet. We're starting to have conversations with VCs, but we really wanted to build relationally first. And institutional money can be relational, but for the most part, your angel investors and your friends and family is always going to be much more relational um, and understand a lot more of your heart. And so we have had money that we've turned down because we didn't feel the relationship was there. 
So don't grab every cent. The money yeah. will come if the idea is good and the team's strong. Don't grab every cent. Be considerate of who you're partnering with. When somebody puts money in your company, they are partnering into your dream. And it should be the right people. Uh, because when you have tough times, you know, you likely will or unexpectedly, you want to be able to have that relational side. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've raised from angels, we've raised from friends, family, um, and we have raised just under a million dollars on that. And so um, our problem is not necessarily um, raising more money, although we do have massive raises coming up because of the scale of which we want to build, but we actually need to be spending more money because that's the key, right? Spend the money to move faster, to build quicker, to scale better, and to dominate the market. Yeah, yeah I was curious with the, the investment, and maybe this is something you're probably going to get into more and more, is – you're, you have a unique idea from a how you're structuring the company data-wise and you know revenue streams and stuff. Have you got a lot of pushback on that or are you starting to hear ripples of that? Because it is different than like the, yeah, we're going to, you know, we'll sell this in three to five years for a billion dollars, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, it's, it's true, man. I think, I think, you know, partly it comes back to that responsibility originally. Like when you feel the responsibility of this, then you realize that your exit plans have to shift. And um, so for the large part, when we're asked about exit, our answers are always around, we need to feel what the right time is to protect the culture, protect the people that are using it, and make sure that it moves forward in with the same vision that we've put into it. Pretty hard thing to do at acquisition, but yeah. these are the things we're aware of. Um, but as far as, you know, building it and, and angling it towards, towards scale and figuring out sort of what our ethos is on that, coupled to the responsibility is just that side of you obviously need to make your investors a return, a healthy return, and we can show that. Um, but when you're building the company, I think you just got to stick to your guns on what you believe. We had things that um, in the beginning stages people were against, not just the way we were building, but, for example, we have built a subscription model company. Now, if you go back six months to when we made that decision and we had quite a few voices saying subscription doesn't work, our ethos was, well, we need it to be subscription because we're not going to have advertisers on and we're not going to track and sell users' data and we're not going to own users' data and manipulate them. So we need a subscription model and we are just going to accept the hurdle of helping people understand why it's subscription, why you're paying for it, because you're paying for this service that is offering you these things, as opposed to you being the product, you know, we are not making people the product, you know, so um, something that's free, you're the product, we know how that goes. But since that six month um, mark, we've seen more and more companies come out going, hey, we're going to go to a subscription model. And we're like, hello, we were ahead of the curve here. Yeah. And we made the decision on our own conviction. And it's kind of nice to see others moving to it. But the reality is you get what you pay for. Yeah. And so that was an easy one to stick to. Other things in culture and ethos, we've had to stick to as well. I think just as an underlying truth, the thing that's made it possible to stick to things and decisions like this is the team. The three of us have known each other for a collective of over 40 years. Mm. We're super close. We've found it completely remotely for a year now, and we haven't had any major issues that a lot of startups have. So 
team, 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 like can't stress it enough, you know, take your time to build the right one. And if you can build people in that you have a track history with, even better. Yeah. Well, let's do this is, and if you're open to it, I'd love to invite you back on for part two. Um, mm. And we can go, because I know we're, we're, you know, it's not like, you know, you can go maybe over to Rogan over there down in Austin. And I was going to say, go let's three, do, come, let's do four three, hours. three, four hours, but uh, maybe Let's I'll do four hours and tag Rogan in it. <laughs> when I come back, uh, we could do that. But no, let's, and this will, you know, it'd be fun. And I've done this with other folks. It'd be fun is let's bring you back on in six months to a year. And as you've scaled the company more, you may, there, there, some of these stories maybe that we're talking about have taken more form. I think it could be fun. And I do want to go more the route of the, the team that you're working with and how you guys are building. So um, if that's cool with you, let's, yeah, let's do that. And so yeah. let's, let's end this interview where I like to a lot of there's so many different things from your life. You've learned different perspectives and thoughts and insights and all that. If someone's listening in and they're starting, it may not be a company. Maybe it's an idea that they want to push forward. Is there one piece of advice you'd share that's really impactful for them? Maybe that'll get them going today um, and moving forward a little bit quicker or just in general, just going after it. Anything you'd share with them? Yeah, it's it's the same advice that I have to remind myself of every day. It's the same advice that that um, my closest advisor and, and board member advises me and the team of every single day. And it's simply this, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the work. It's so easy to get wrapped up even in the dream. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the day-to-day, the what's not happening, what is happening, the, all these things. You have to enjoy the journey. And as a team, you have to enjoy that journey. And that means that you're not, you're not um, relying on the success of what you're working on right now. You're relying on this enjoyment of life. The truth of the matter is that our ethos as a company is that every single person has a story. And if you think about almost 8 billion people in the world, nobody has the identical life story. Nobody, not a single person has had exactly the same opportunities, successes, failures, conversations, thoughts, dreams, visions, whatever, as a single other person. Exactly the same, impossible, impossible. So that means that if you're so unique, your story is unique. And your story is valuable. And it may be valuable to one. It may be valuable to thousands. It's not the point. The point is it has value. And you will leave that value for somebody and you'll recognize that value in yourself as you start to look back on your journey. But for founders, easy to separate founding from your actual life. Listen, this is part of your story. It's part of the insights. Capture the insights you're having along the way. Even if they don't help you in this journey or the next company you start, I guarantee when you look back down the line, you will find great value in capturing this part of your journey as you start founding, as you start going through this. And you'll recognize how you grow and you'll recognize all the successes and the failures and the friendships and relationships and all that. And above everything, you will hopefully, if you do this in a healthy way, become a much better version of yourself. And at that point, when you're the best version of yourself, you'll be ready to take something to the world. But save your story save the journey and enjoy it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point uh, to end on. Cause I, I think part of it too, is like, if you have that thought of like the journey and I always talk, you know, that navigating and kind of going down the path, if you're just standing still, there's no journey, 
100 percent whatever you want to try even if it, it doesn't matter what it is right we can we can name off a million things you can try that you want to do but going forward and actually testing and tasting and just doing it that's part of the journey you might not that's, succeed but it doesn't matter yeah. that's again your story you've tried and, and where does success lie where does where does success lie you speak to people that have been extremely successful have all the houses all the cars and yet they're empty they're lonely they don't feel like they've accomplished anything so this definition of success is something that I've, I've, I've really tried to figure out lately because I've been to the top echelon of radio, of high-performance driving, all these things. I never felt successful. I never felt successful, even though I should have. Everybody thought I was successful. The truth of the matter is that success comes in the journey. Have we been successful as Capsule already? Yes. The moment we started speaking about it, the moment we shared it and changed one person's thought around the value of their life, and that it should be saved and recorded and left. One person, that is success. So, you know, be careful what metric you you pin yourself to. Right. Because if it's far down the road, there's a lot to get to and a lot of energy and a lot of emotion before you can reach that. The most attainable goal is to recognize every day what you've been successful in. Yeah. And stick to it and enjoy it and celebrate it. Well, that's the thing too. Like when you look at, you can look at folks that have, started these massive companies or they, whatever, like they're, you know, I always like to throw Oprah Winfrey out. I used to watch Oprah a lot with my grandmother, um, you know, talk, <laughs> oh, about, cool. sh- talk about sharing stories. You're going to edit, that, you're gonna edit this, you edit this podcast. You're going to edit well, this podcast, aren't you? Well, you know, cut that, that piece out. <laughs> well, you, well, if you think about it, like, I mean, I, I with my, my grandmother, she passed away a few years ago. Like I would love to have some of those stories. I would have loved yes. to have those memories, you know? So anyways, I remember I used to watch Oprah as a kid with her. I, I <laughs> that, It's one of the reasons I, I enjoy interviewing like Regis and Kathy Lee and, and Letterman right. and all that. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but the reason I bring that up is um, I had a point actually there was you can't, <laughs> you, you can't look at Oprah and be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get there. Well, Oprah had a day one. She had a time yes. when she was on local news and like she, you know, she wasn't who she was. So like, I think there's, an opportunity yeah. for us to just look at today. How do I do better today? How do I be happier today? And let that lead us to tomorrow. And that's all you can do. Cause that's the only way Absolutely. you do a journey is the next step. You know, it sounds cliche, but it's so true, you know? And, and look back, Brian, like we've got to, we've got to learn to look back better. Like we've got to be able to look back and go, okay, actually I came through that struggle. Okay. I mm-hmm. succeeded there. Okay. I learned something there. We just don't do this very well. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of the fuel that we can get for the journey is in looking back and realizing the person that we have become, you know, hopefully you're a better person for it. If you're not, there's an opportunity to change that, but you're unlikely to change it or, or succeed and feel fulfilled without looking back on everything that you've come through in the resilience and the story and the journey. I don't care if you're a stay at home mom or a high powered CEO, you look back on your life and you're going to recognize that you have value. And then you're going to recognize that other people have value. And when you can do that, you will actually be part of the movement in changing the fabric of society to see each other with value, to see each other with story. And uh, this is the movement that we're trying to create. But honestly, we'd love Capsule to be the world leader in this space. But the truth of the matter is that our heart is if you use Capsule or use another app that'll come up, whatever, I'm sure there'll be competition to us at one point. The most important thing, look back and save your story. Whether it's with us or someone else, save your story because this is a human history moment for us to do this and redefine how we see each other. Yeah. So this has been an absolute pleasure. Where, where can everyone find you? Where can they find capsule? Give us all the details. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Um, so you can go ahead straight to the app store and download capsule and get going. 
And um, I trust that you'll enjoy the experience. There's a lot of neuroscience involved as well, that you'll remember stories you've forgotten as you record certain other stories, kind of like sitting with a school friend that you haven't sat with for years and going, oh, wow, I remember that, you know. So there's a lot of awesome neuro in that. Um, but you can just download the App Store um, uh, version. And uh, I know the time we're recording right now, I think we'll probably have Android out then as well. We should. Um, you know, tech company is hard to make promises, but you should be able to get it on Apple definitely and then Android. And, um, you know, if you just want to know more about it, go to the website, capsule.app. That's C-A-P-S-L-L.app. And then if you do want to follow us on Instagram, it's always a weird one for us to mention because we won't be on there forever, you know. But for now, we're still, uh, we're still on there. And uh, you can follow us at, at uh, capsule.app on, uh, on IG. And, you know, anybody that wants to reach out in terms of investing or speaking engagements or, um, or anything like that, you can find me on LinkedIn as Clint Davis on LinkedIn. But thank you so much for joining me. This is a lot of fun. And you're, you're coming, yeah. I'm making you come on for a part two. So we're going to do I'm that here, man. Awesome. I'm here for it. Yeah. I appreciate it, dude. Well, thanks so much for joining, man. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me. And I just say uh, thank you to everybody who spent time listening. It's something that I used to take for granted in my radio days. I don't take it for granted anymore. I know your time is valuable. And so thank you for listening to what, uh, what I had to say today. Hey everyone, just one more quick thing before you skip along in your day. You know, if you do enjoy this content or other things that I've put out or just enjoy learning more and trying to adapt your thinking uh, to become happier each and every day, there's a couple of things that you may benefit from. Um, if you go to my website, brianandraco.com forward slash subscribe, you can sign up for my newsletter that goes out once a week. And that's really a digest of a lot of information that I gather throughout the weeks, whether it's a new video that I think could be informative or a podcast that's been valuable to me, book that I might read, etc. Um, secondly, I blog three times a week, and these are more micro blogs, one to five minute reads, short digestible blogs that'll send right to your inbox on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. So check that out on my website, brianandraco.com forward slash subscribe if you think it's something you might enjoy. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.